0: Hello, welcome to Talking Fit. I'm Paul Rose. I'm joined as ever by Luke Morgan, and today we have Isle of Man's Queen of CrossFit, Erin Callister. Erin, welcome to the show. Thank you for coming on. In just a couple of minutes, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do.
1: Well, um, well, first of all, I'm called Erin Bonnet now since I've uh, <laughs> since <good> been... <laughs> not seen Paul for a long time. So last time I've seen Paul, I was Erin Callister, right? Well, that's not
0: true because you saw me on your wedding day.
1: Oh, yeah. This, this is, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm good. Thank you very much for having me on.
0: Very welcome.
1: So, yeah, so I'm Erin Bonnet. I'm a physiotherapist. I'm a sports therapist from the Isle of Man. And I also own CrossFit IOM as well, um, which we have now just branched into two
0: facilities.
1: So we're growing, which is good. Always good.
0: Absolutely. Um, yeah, I don't know why I call you Erin Callister. I actually <laughs> thought earlier, what did Erin's surname used to be? I couldn't remember. So I have no idea where that came from. Um, cool. So yeah, cracking on. Uh, why don't we start off? What is CrossFit? Okay,
1: so we like to, we like to kind of say it's a little bit of everything, really. We have, um, we have a lot of people that walk through the door that sort of want to know a little bit more about um, why CrossFit's different to other things. So the idea really of our, our kind of, our principles of what we, what we do as a gym, because I mean, CrossFit, CrossFit as a sport and CrossFit as in CrossFit IOM, what we do for our members. Um, first of all, that's kind of, um, a, there's a big difference there really. So CrossFit as a sport, Is trying to get the trying to find the fittest person on earth, and CrossFit defines fitness as being the best at everything. So, you could um, be asked to run a mile, but every hundred meters you need to stop and do ten deadlifts with two hundred kilos for men and one hundred and twenty kilos for women. So. It's not just about being the fastest and being the strongest. They mix up the movements in as many different ways as possible. They test strength. They test fitness. They test your gymnastic ability. They'll test your mental strength at the CrossFit Games. They'll have swimming, paddle boarding, just all sorts, cycling. Any kind of fitness that you can sort of think of, any sport that you can think of, really. I'm I'm sure one year they had a, a softball throw where they just had to throw a ball as far as they could. So that's CrossFit as in the CrossFit games and the sport of fitness. And that's pretty hardcore, really. Like if you've watched any of the YouTube videos and see the sort of stuff that they do, I'll I'll often say to a lot of people when they turn up at our place, it's not like the YouTube videos. Um, That is kind of the other end of the scale. I would say that at least 70 to 80% of our members are just normal humans that work in an office say that just want to get a little bit stronger a little bit fitter and just generally move better really so um we can kind of i would i would say that we we have got a small percent of our members who want to compete but their programming and what they're given to do to get them better is very different to how we train our normal members should i say so um, there's a lot of movements that we would potentially tend to avoid with our um, members who just wanna come in and get a, bit, a little bit fitter and a little bit stronger. So things like a one rep max deadlift, you'd find that at the CrossFit Games. That's the sort of thing that you would maybe find at a UK competition. But the amount of times that we would be testing a one rep max deadlift with our members um, is probably only once or twice a year, really because the injury risk versus reward for why they need to do it is not really is not really worth it because people get carried away, people get excited and want to lift more and don't realise what their form looks like. Um, And that's that's one thing, especially with me being a physio that we are really, really strict on making sure that people are moving perfect perfectly and um making sure that their backs are straight when they're deadlifting and they're using their core. That sort of stuff. When you're at the CrossFit Games and there is hundreds of thousands of pounds worth of prizes, it's just you get that weight up, however, however you can, really. So I think that that's sort of the, that's the first thing, really, to sort of say, you know, that the sport of CrossFit, the sport of fitness, and CrossFit as a lifestyle are two quite different things.
0: You mentioned uh, like YouTube videos and. I think YouTube videos and like the documentaries you get on Netflix and stuff following the CrossFit games are probably how, I don't know if the majority, but that's how a lot of people are introduced to CrossFit. Would you say as someone who owns CrossFit facilities that they help or they hinder you in terms of kind of the image that people have in their heads when they walk in, in the front door?
1: I'd say they well I'd say almost certainly that they hinder really because a lot of people would glance at that and say that I'm not I'm not fit enough to go there and I'm not fit enough to go and do that and I think actually from a business perspective that was one mistake that we made when we first opened you know we had we had a handful of members that were in shape that you know because there's no there's no doubt about it that the CrossFit methodology will get you in unbelievable shape you know because of the intensity because of the intensity of it people people are walking around with a six-pack all year round just because they eat well they move a lot they're burning more calories um, than they're eating and they're just they're healthy humans really and the issue with that is that we kind of promoted crossfit when we first opened as you know come on down come and try it look we've got people that have started looking like this and now they look like this and I think people kind of take one look at what they look like now and then think oh well I look more like the before picture and although we thought that that was a good business move in that you could look like the after picture as well I think people naturally go I don't want to walk into there with all the people that look like the after picture so I think that they just sort of assume then that they're going to be the before, and everybody else in the building is going to be the after, which is not the case at all. But I, I think that it certainly puts people off. And I think that we, yeah, we probably used pictures that that in hindsight we think now we would we would rather have pictures of the 70% of our members that don't look like that that look better than when they started, but. You know, they're not they're not shredded. But what's great is that especially with the ladies, you have people that would turn up and say that they want to drop a dress size or they want to drop two dress sizes and they want to get rid of these bits and these bits. But then actually, as soon as they get into it, they kind of look at people doing a pull up and they think, oh, I want to be able to do that. And then they see the rope hanging down and think, oh, I wouldn't mind being able to. Imagine if I could climb that rope one day. And then all of a sudden you start to notice that people kind of transition from the image side of things to I'd love to be able to deadlift my own body weight and it's great to see that from um from a out, like, just from an onlooker's point of view just watch people change over time and, and watch people evolve from I want to look better to I want to move better and lift a little bit more it's, it's nice to see
0: yeah I think like obviously we mentioned just before we start recording that CrossFit does get a bad rep with a lot of things, but there are a lot of very, very good things that have come out of it as well. One being, I would say certainly um, when it perhaps wasn't quite so popular as it is now, um, there was a massive focus on the nutritional side as well as the training side, um, which you go and join like David Lloyd, you don't get any of that unless you so... specifically seek it. Um, Another is it taught people to actually push themselves hard um, mm-hmm. and, and understand what it feels like to really exert themselves, which again, if you just go and sort of plod on the treadmill, if that's what you want to do, you want to go and plod on the treadmill, then fine, go and do that if you enjoy that. But like generally people are going to get better results in terms of their their health and their performance from pushing that bit harder. Um and the other is it has opened up the idea of things, like you say, deadlifting a lot of weights, um, being able to do pull-ups and climb a rope and stuff like that to people who wouldn't have sought out something like that in the past. Like, yeah. particularly women generally would have walked into a, a David Lloyd, or Fitness First or whatever, and eight, nine times out of ten would avoid the free weights and stuff, either because they'll go, I don't want to lift them because I'll end up looking like a man or mm. they'll go or oh, be a bit intimidated by the people who are in there doing it already. And CrossFit has kind of broken that, that barrier down and brought people into like a realm, if you like, where everyone does that. There is no intimidation factor in that sense. And when you see people, people like yourself, doing big, heavy deadlifts and uh, snatches and cleans and squats and stuff, and not looking like Eddie Hall, then they kind of go, oh, maybe I won't end up looking like a man as a result of doing that.
1: Yeah, I think if I honestly, if I had a pound for the amount of people that have said to me, members really but the amount of people that have said to me at the end of a workout I would never have pushed myself if you weren't here or I would never have pushed myself like that if I wasn't in this CrossFit class you know the the difference in the intensity from being in the CrossFit class environment and not even just the class environment I mean there's there's the huge part of CrossFit with the community side of things which is one of the reasons why a lot of people join and we've got our we've got our CrossFit Christmas party that I'm organising at the minute and the place can fit in a maximum of 100 people and it's literally sold out like that. Um, trying to find room just to squeeze an extra couple of people in, you know, it's, it's amazing really how many people want to be part of the team and just be part of the branding really. But yeah, a lot of it is just having other people there next to you that you're doing your burpees and you think and you have a drink and then you look next to you and the 65 year old woman next to you she's not stopped she's carrying on so you think well she's carrying on I better carry on as well and I I definitely think that by looking around the room and seeing everybody else kind of suffering as well in a good way because as soon as it's over you kind of say you know I'm so glad I did that but I definitely couldn't have pushed if people weren't next to me, or you know, you weren't sort of cheering me on. So it's it's nice to it's nice to know that you're having that impact on people, because I I think sometimes when I do see people, if I went on a holiday or something, into it's very rare that I would go into a commercial gym now. But yes, I, I look around and see people just plodding through their workouts in in other environments and just think oh, I like, I'd love to be able to help them a little bit more and say, you know, you would be able to push yourself by being in this environment a little bit more. And it's, they, they have the whole whiteboard thing that, you know, they talk about the whiteboard that putting your scores down on the whiteboard at the end of the day, you know, that's what, that's what drives that competitiveness for people to just get that extra rep out. And we've always tried to, have our whiteboard more as a you versus you progression. You know, we've got a picture of the whiteboard from today and we've got a picture of the whiteboard from six months ago when we did this workout. Let's see how many more reps you've got as opposed to whether you've beaten, you know, somebody else. So we we try to push it for that side of things really. But then it's also quite nice to have the whiteboard because there's, with CrossFit being such a vast kind of exercise, like if you've got a heavy if you've got a heavy workout one day, which might be just five deadlifts um and then a hundred meter run and then four deadlifts and then a hundred meter run, you know, and the deadlift weight is quite heavy. The people that would be doing better on that would be the stronger people who are not necessarily as fit and their scores on that day would probably be quite high on the on the whiteboard. And then you have a day where it might be three hundred double under skips a three K row and a three mile run and the difference of the people who are at the top of the board on that day compared to the day before. Um, it's, so it's nice that we're always aiming to get everybody as good as we can at everything, but it's always nice that with having the whiteboard as well, people can kind of have their day where they, Oh, I've done quite well today actually. I've beat so-and-so. I don't normally beat them, you know, in a nice way. Um, yeah, it's, it's good to, it's good to just see people feeling good about themselves really as well.
2: What's the general fitness scene like in the Isle of Man? Is it very much similar to mainland UK, where you've got the big commercial gyms of the David Lloyds, the fitness person no, those?
1: So we, do you know one thing? I've always said, if I won the lottery, I would build a facility like that. Really. So we, okay. we don't have anywhere that's a big commercial gym with a swimming pool and a sauna and a steam room and anything like that. We don't have, we don't have any of the big chains we've got a car for which um i don't know whether there's any of them knocking around anywhere else but um apart from that we just have individual people have just got their own little brands really so we have got commercial gyms we've maybe got i don't know five or six sort of big ish ones but by big i'm talking maybe four thousand square foot as opposed to you know the huge sort of the huge ones that you would get over in the UK. So no, we don't, we don't have anything like that. The Isle of Man is very, is, is very much into fitness, but we've got, so Mark Cavendish, the um, cyclist is from the Isle of Man. So the Isle of Man is very big into cycling because of the the hills and things that we have. So we've got a really, really good, if you want to get good at cycling where you need some areas that are flat and you need some areas that are hilly, like you've got it all on the Isle of Man, you've got off road, on road, and you've got it all on your doorstep. So you're not having you're not having to travel, you know, miles and miles away in the car with your bike on the back just to get somewhere that's hilly. In such a small space of I think maybe fifteen miles by about seven, I think the alaman is. In such a small space we've got an amazing variety of ups and down hills. so you see a lot of people i I work on a sunday and driving in on a sunday the amount of people that i drive past running and jogging and walking and cycling is mad really so it's good it's good yeah we're very fit humans
0: um so you can see from your t-shirt you were you've had the gym since 2012 Mm -hmm. how have you seen crossfit and kind of Fitness in general change over the last eight years.
1: Um, well, for a start, if I, as me now, went to the first CrossFit Games, I would win it. <laughs> Put it that way. So that's that's how the standard has changed. Um, it's crazy, really that the yeah the, the standard of what the games athletes were like when the crossfit games opened or started compared to compared to now is just unreal people people are doing it for a living now you say and i think so i um i kind of trained i had my five years at uni where i partied and drank lots and then once we moved back um to the Isle of Man in 2012 I, um, I said, right, I'm not, I'm not drinking anymore. I've drank enough in the last five years to last me a lifetime. So I kind of went on the health sort of ship really. And then, yeah, we just thought, well, if we're opening a business and we're going to run a CrossFit gym, we need to practice what we preach and we need to be as healthy as we can be. So that was the sort of attitude that we had really going into it. And I'd say, um, it like that sort of thing definitely pays off because, you know, people in the nicest possible way, people do say, well, you know, you, you see a lot of personal trainers that are either very, very overweight or, you know, they're going out drinking and partying every weekend. And you think it's not really a great advert for, you know, for your clients. So I think to practice what you preach is important. And um, so from then, that's when I had kind of my five years really of um, as competitive as I could be, CrossFit, and got to as as good as I have ever been. But I would say, and and my husband sort of said the same because he was he is and was my coach that the only difference that would have put me just a couple of places higher is the out of hours kind of like the recovery. So I was I was training as much as the other for athletes, and I was, um, sort of, I couldn't have changed my nutrition, I was eating really well, I was, you know, um, supplementing well with, like, protein, you know, regularly through the day, that sort of stuff, but I just didn't recover well enough, because I'd just opened the gym, and sometimes me and Dan used to sleep at the gym, because we'd open at six o'clock in the morning, and we'd close at nine o'clock at night, and we lived half an hour away, and we thought, we're not going to get home till half nine and we've got to be up again at five to get here in the morning we'll just put the blow up bed up and stay here like really for you to get to the top of your game sleeping at the gym (laughs) freezing in the winter on a blow up bed is not gonna recover your body you know as well as somebody who finished work at 2 p.m and went and had a sports massage and did some yoga at home and you know watched some netflix and and chilled you know it's not it's there's no comparison really and I'd say that over over the years that's one of the main things that I've seen evolve in that if you want to make it to the top you literally need to do this as a full-time job and I think that's why social media is such a big thing for people now because I think a lot of people are actually getting an income from social media whether whether that is just being paid for their you know supplements and that sort of stuff um because i've been there and still am there really and that all my training clothes are provided protein um, joint supplements that sort of stuff is provided so it saves you a huge amount of money if you think although i'm not being paid directly cash if you think about the amount of money that it's saving you and um, but then there's a lot of athletes now that are also being paid a wage as well to represent brands certain brands will pay them this amount of money every month to wear their clothes and you know perform well and just promote promote them so that's given a lot of people the opportunity to be able to kind of take it full-time and that's what's taking them to the next level you literally see it overnight happen you know that somebody's gone from being a pt and doing some crossfit on the side to giving up their pt business potentially doing a little bit of stuff online training full-time and they're just like a different athlete overnight so, yeah. yeah, if you want to make it to the top, you've got to be, you've got to be full-time these days, really.
0: Yeah, I mean, you see that in, in the CrossFit Games. Like someone like Matt Fraser in 2014, maybe 2015 as well, when he was having his first couple of years as a, a Games athlete, he was still a student as well. Mm-hmm. Then he went full-time training, and suddenly he's gone from being on the podium to dominating everyone. And now the the younger guys coming through, like someone like Haley Adams on the women's side, <clears throat> she's, okay, she's doing the sort of student stuff as well, but she's trained as a CrossFit athlete from a young age. It hasn't been like a lot of the others who were decent level or very good level in some cases, like weightlifters or gymnasts, and then they've added other strings to the bow to then make them more rounded for CrossFit she's gone in i don't know how old she was when she started and she's 19 now and she's been around for ever um to probably like 12 or 13 or something training to do every single thing and that's the kind of thing that in another 8 years time you'll be able to look at athletes who have done that and be like wow that's like next level stuff they won't just be you know like you said the first crossfit games back in 2007 there were some standout guys who were pretty good at a lot of the stuff but generally they were all kind of average or above average at everything now they're very good at everything in 10 years time what's to say they won't be world class at everything like you look at a a heptathlete, a decathlete in athletics and track and field, they'll go and, like, I know Katrina Johnson Thompson will go and enter a, a long jump competition in a world class field and she won't generally win it, but she'll come like fifth or sixth against world class long jumpers and then go and do another six events to actually do her event. So, yeah, yeah. well,
1: is it similar with the... Because some of the CrossFit athletes do... Like, Tia 2, me, does weightlifting as well. So, yeah, it's... I think you, it's amazing how... It's amazing how good as well that CrossFit can get you at other stuff. You know, we've got a girl over here who um, goes to the Island Games and in terms of things like... So she's a CrossFitter and she only trains CrossFit and she doesn't really do things like athletics anymore. But just just training crossfit is making her athletics better you know and it's what we do is so transferable because effectively it's strength and conditioning it's just called crossfit you know and if if um if you've seen what what sort of stuff that a lot of the top athletes are doing you know they're doing back squats deadlifts power athletes are doing cleans it's just that we do it and we call it crossfit and okay maybe they don't do kipping pull-ups but Things like the kip and pull-ups and the butterfly butterfly pull-ups, it's just, it's the wrong term of, of calling them that because a butterfly pull-up, it's not a pull-up. We do strict pull-ups. You know, the workout of the day would be five sets of five strict pull-ups with your core in a hollow, making sure that you're using your lats. Um, if it's too easy, you can weight it. If it's too hard, you can use a band. And then potentially at the end of the session or on another day, we might be doing pull-ups as part of the workout but really like the kip and pull-ups there to develop the hip power it's not there necessarily to it's not well it's certainly not there to develop your pull-up strength because it's not using the same muscles as a pull-up but um the thing is when it comes to doing cr- crossfit competitions and when there's a lot of money at stake if you've got to do 100 pull-ups you're not going to do them strict so that's why CrossFitters have learned these techniques to get from A to B in a, in a shorter time and a, le- a more efficient time You know to conserve your energy. And then that's how the butterfly pull-ups then evolved because they're just a better cycle of getting from a full hang to chin above the bar, which, yes, is a pull-up movement. And that's the standard of a, of a pull-up. But the other, they're put in place just to, get you, just to get you to move quicker and to fatigue less and to hopefully win the gold medal.
2: I think that's what a lot of problems with certain CrossFit places are as well. Everything gets a bit of a bad rap. I think people just see the snapshot of that immediately. They mm. see, you know, their friend might have just joined the box around the corner, which it's not to say that they had a good instructor or it was owned by a good place, you know. It's just like any profession, you can have fantastic practitioners and you have the not-so-good practitioners, don't you? And I think when people just see that snapshot of, the kip and pull-ups, the butterfly pull-ups, and all that stuff—they just assume, oh, that's all they do, and then they associate that with the injuries and so on. Can you just explain a little bit about, you know, the difference between strict pull-up for somebody who doesn't know and butterfly and kipping and pull-ups?
1: Yeah, I, I think as well. Just just before I get onto that, is that the one of the main problems with CrossFit in that it, to to open a CrossFit gym you have to have a level one CrossFit certification and that takes about six hours on a Saturday and about six hours on a Sunday. So you, you can literally go from no background of, of sport at all and you can learn enough over them two days. And then all of a sudden you've got your CrossFit level one and you're able to get insurance to open a CrossFit gym. So that certainly doesn't help. You know, me and Dan, didn't come from that way i'd been and done my sports therapy and physiotherapy he was a personal trainer already and i think that that the probably when you say crossfit gets a bad rep well yeah it does but i think a lot of the time because there is poor poor crossfit gyms and crossfit trainers around and it's very difficult to police it the same as there is with any personal trainers you know it's difficult to police that as well but you see some of the stuff that pts are doing it's embarrassing. So um, I think as well that a lot of the, a lot of PTs potentially don't like the results that CrossFit gives people in that it does, it does work and it does get people fitter and stronger. And um, they do strip body fat because of the intensity of the workouts. And, you know, I think a lot of the time their programming of three sets of 12 bent over rows, um, and some Tabata sit-ups is not going to get somebody the same results so but with regards to the pull-ups and things so a, a, so for a pull-up to count however you would choose to do it you need to go from a full lockout and um, so you're hanging from a bar with your arms straight with your feet off the floor and to finish the movement you pull yourself up so that your chin is above the horizontal plane of the bar and then you go back down so your arms are then at a full lockout So you go from a full hang to pulling yourself up so your chin is above the bar and then back down to a full hang. That's the pull-up standard. So for a strict pull-up, you would just dead hang and you pull yourself up with strict strength and control through the movement. Whereas a kipping pull-up is where you use your hips um, and gain momentum to almost throw yourself up. And then a butterfly pull-up is where you would use more of a um, a flow of kind of going around in a circular motion but you're still hitting the standards of a full hang and chin above the bar
2: and for somebody who's starting off what would you recommend first
1: that you need to you should really you should probably be able to do at least i would say at least two to three strict pull-ups really before you start practicing kipping we're we're pretty strict with that um so we would always say that You need probably at least two to three strict before you start moving to kipping, depending on how long you've been doing it for really. Um, So let's say, let's say somebody has just joined the gym and they work in an office. So they're sat with their hands out in front of them all day. So their shoulders are potentially a little little bit tight, but they are um, a 35 year old male who's done quite a bit of stuff in their time that um, can do three strict pull-ups because they used to do it back in the day, but they've not done it for a long time, but they can do three strict pull-ups. Would we get them to practice the kipping technique because they can do three strict pull-ups? No, because they sit at their desk all day, their shoulders are tight in front. The last thing we want to do is start throwing them into that kipping movement, which is going to develop things like impingements in their shoulders. It's going to put them in a position that they've not ever been in before. So even though they can do three strict pull-ups, we would still take the time to build the foundations of um, just practicing hanging and just practicing um, just that very gentle kip motion and just opening up the shoulders. And we would practice that probably for weeks and months before we actually get them to try to do a, to do a a kipping pull-up. But then if you've got somebody who, um, is also say a 35 year old male who works in an office, but they've been coming to the gym now for 12 months, and it's taking them and it's taken them 12 months of working through our program and doing ring rows, doing banded pull-ups, and they've eventually got their first strict pull-up. But they've also been working on their toes to bar, which is where they hang from the bar and they lift their legs up with a little bit of a kick backwards, so their body is used to going through that motion but they've only got one strict pull-up, but they've been doing all of our rotator cuff work in their warm-ups for 12 months. And um, they've been doing all the strict strength. They've been doing the rows. Would we maybe get them to start having a go at practicing some kipping pull-ups? Probably, yeah, because they've had 12 months of conditioning. And even though they could maybe only do one strict pull-up as opposed to three, like we think that they're ready to, ready to do it. But I suppose that's where the expertise of even from my point of view, being a physio, looking at somebody's body shape and their posture, and knowing it's like they're going to struggle here with the kip and movement because they're so stiff, it's not going to put their shoulders in a very good position. And again, that's what risk versus reward is. Do they want to be able to do three kip and pull ups, or do they want to be able to live a normal, healthy life? And they play tennis on a Saturday, and they want to still be able to play tennis. Like they don't want to hurt their shoulder trying to get kip and pull ups in our CrossFit classes if it means that it, it's going to impact their tennis. So it's definitely the coach's call on that, but that's where having the expert knowledge and the experience is so much different to those that have just done the one weekend level one course and then opened a CrossFit gym. Cause I very much doubt that their theory of who can practice and who can't will be that.
0: <laughs> You're looking beyond just their, their strength or like the, the, the first guy you gave the example of, it could just be like pure willpower. That's getting them over the bar and like a dodgy, almost bicep curling their body weight up. No lat engagement, rotator cuffs are extended and and not working as they should scapula or shoulder blades um, in the wrong place. Whereas the second guy, everything's in the right place. It just doesn't have the strength to engage and pull over the bar um but because it's in the right place they can work on that that movement so it's kind of the the coach's eye and experience in being able to spot those those little things beyond just oh how many reps can you do how much weight can you do with this exercise before moving on to this one and um maybe going beyond the the cues you might get on the a level one course of well, i don't know i haven't done a level one course but um
1: they don't yeah. actually do any gymnastics well yeah I, I don't think they do any gymnastics really they do med ball cleans um think like sumo deadlifts or sumo deadlift high pull it's very in terms of all of the movements that you do in crossfit the amount that are covered i think there's the i think there's maybe seven fundamental movements that they do in the level one so they certainly wouldn't be covering um, all of the ones that you then need to go and open a CrossFit gym.
0: So do you think that's something that needs to change? Like the, either changing the level one or changing the criteria of what's required to go and open a gym?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it still would be hard to police it really because, again, it's the same. And I know with, I know with a personal training course, it takes longer to be able to, to get the course but it's still experience at the end of the day, and you can you can learn the textbook and you can learn the, the theory and you can still become a personal trainer but whether Whether you really should be writing programs for certain people with certain injuries and things is like mm, probably not really you know so it it's it's very it is difficult to police, and I think it's just making sure that the the people who are wanting to open a crossfit gym making sure that they have the the sense really to to do more than just the crossfit level one and um and making sure that the people that are joining crossfit gyms are you know comfortable with the the owners and making sure that um yeah that they're kind of happy with with how things are going really it is it is a tough one because I'd like, I'd like to think that every CrossFit gym out there is is sort of um, top notch, but it it
0: won't be really. From what you're saying, it sounds like you take almost a, a kind of slower, more conservative approach to progressing people through movements to make sure that they're they're ready for them. Do you find you get much pushback from? members or potential members on that who are a bit like no I can do three pull-ups I, I need to be going and do butterfly pull-ups
1: yeah definitely it's that's I would say that that's one of the hardest things because if anything we are too conservative because we see we've seen what it's like you know my husband Dan has had two new shoulders you know he's torn he's torn his rotator cuffs in both shoulders he's and he's had both shoulders reconstructed just from he's had a lot of injuries through rugby and that sort of stuff as well but I think seeing seeing what he's been through and him knowing what he's been through with both of his shoulders it's not worth people trying a ring muscle up just to get a ring muscle up you know and we say you can't do a you can't do a ring dip so okay yes you can do the pull-ups but you can't get into a set of rings and bend your arms and hit 90 degrees and lock them out again because you've not got the strength or the stability to do that so then even if you do do a muscle up and you pull yourselves up to the rings, and you catch yourself, you wouldn't be able to press it out anyway because you can't do a ring dip. So it's having to try to be logical with people. And yeah, we have, we, we have kind of had um, disagreements with members, but I would say that they are very respectful because they get the results and they can see what standard of athlete we've got who, who admittedly do do the extra programming that, that Dan would set for them. Things like Olympic lift snatches and that sort of stuff, that's generally more so programmed for the people who pay a little bit extra to get a little bit more to do his coached sessions. So I think a lot of the, the members who kind of want to just move and, and go through the motions... Most of them are happy with that because they kind of say "Oh i 'm not too sure about all these snatchy things where you're putting the bar above your head, and i don 't know whether my hands need to be wide and it needs to come off your hips, and i don 't really get it, but then you've still got a handful of the of the members who don't want to necessarily be competitive but they would still like to improve their snatch so it's difficult to try to find the try to find the balance, but generally people are very respectful to I think because I think as well Dan Dan's always really funny about people doing things that aren't on the program and I think that over the years that has kind of got out and you know people people would go into the gym on a sunday when the sessions aren't on and they would just practice things like ring muscle ups but then maybe 3 weeks later they would be booking an appointment with me in the physio clinic and Dan would sort of say well you shouldn't have been doing stuff that's not on the program and actually I think now the fear of people getting some sort of niggle from doing something that they shouldn't have done is enough to be like, Oh no, I'll just, I'll just do what's down and there just have an easy life. So, but yeah, people, people see that it works and people are happy with the progress and they understand why it works because coaches that we have working for us as well are very thorough in that. This is why you're doing this, you know, and this is why, um, We're telling you to do it this way because of this, you know, with regards to energy systems, for example. So let's say we have a popular workout in CrossFit called FRAN, which is 21 thrusters, which is where you squat and press the bar overhead. So 21 thrusters, 21 pull-ups, 15 thrusters, 15 pull-ups, nine thrusters, nine pull-ups. Okay. So that's the workout. So the the top athletes, and I think one of the um, members of our gym, does it in around about two minutes and 15 seconds. So I'm not sure whether anyone's ever gone sub two minutes on it, but, but two minutes is an elite time. You're literally talking transitions. That's where you're saving your time. You need your barbell at the pull-up bar and you're going as fast as you can. So the, the weight for male, the weight for males is 42 and a half kilos. The weight for females is 30 kilos. Now I've got no doubt that maybe say, 50% of my members might be able to finish that as prescribed. So that would be with a female with 30 kilos and doing their pull-ups, say kipping pull-ups. But the difference is we need this to be between a two and five minute stimulus of, of time. So people might say, well, I can do it RX. I'm saying, but you doing three thrusters and staring at the bar and doing three thrusters and staring at the bar and doing your kipping pull-ups in singles is not the stimulus that we want. I know you can do it at RX, but it's gonna take you 14 minutes and it needs to take you between two and five minutes. So we put time caps on things and we have scaling options, which would be RXs as prescribed. So that would be 30 kilos and your um, full pull-ups sort of without a band or without a jump. And then we would say that the next option would be perhaps 25 kilograms and you could use a band. And then the next option S2 would be 20 kilos and um, you could maybe go on the rings like the TRX rings. So we would always put scaling options in there for people to be able to hit it within the time cap. Cause that's what we want. And people are definitely getting better over the years to, to scale things properly because people would rather I'd say most people would rather finish it in four minutes and have S1 next to their name than go at RX and get 21 thrusters because it's, it's nice to be able to finish a workout that's down. So having them time caps and having the scaling options for people to choose from definitely makes a big difference in terms of programming and coaching.
0: So it's kind of, I don't want to say selling, but I can't think of a better word. Um, it's almost selling the scaling options more like a, Say a handicapping golf as opposed to yeah. a um, "oh, you're not good enough. You need to do this because you're weak or whatever." It's just it's like this is going to put you on par with someone who's RX um, or put you on a par with them in terms of the time it takes you to do it. As you get better, will then give you the more advanced mm-hmm. options until mm-hmm. you get to the point. When you get to RX, you'll still be finishing in roughly the same time as them rather than doing it now and taking three times as long as them.
1: Yeah, we'll say if somebody can do it at RX in X amount of time, you should be aiming to finish it in that amount of time. However, however it means that you need to scale it, the time of finishing it is kind of what we're looking for, because that's going to make sure that you're hitting the right energy systems. Otherwise, you're just going to turn it into an aerobic piece. And it's going to take you sort of 15 minutes. But what I was saying earlier on about the, the fact that there's such a wide variety of exercises in that some days the workout could be less reps and quite a heavy weight. And other days there might be no weight at all. And it's sort of all cardio. That's the difference as well with the RX, S1, S2, S3 in that, you know, there's there's people that can do pretty much everything at RX And then there's people who will pretty much be S1 and S2 for almost everything. But you might find that there's a day that you would be RX if it was heavy lifting. But then when it comes to do a workout that within a 10 minute time frame, we need you to do 50 burpees, 50 box jumps and 50 calorie bike. The scaling option would then be maybe 40 40 40 and then s2 might be 30 30 30 so yeah for, for the people that, that went rx on the on the strong day kind of thing they might be scaled back to s2 and finishing quite low down on on more of a cardio focus so the, the program we've we've ran loads of different program programming cycles over the year but generally we work the programming on an eight day cycle because Some people might only come in Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or some people might just do Tuesday, Saturday. It always, to get the most out of it, you'd come five times a week, which would be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. We rest on a Thursday. We have sessions Friday, Saturday, and then we rest on a Sunday. So we would work the programming. So it works out over eight days, which would mean that then people would get the, the, not the same. So it's not always a heavy leg day on a Monday. It just knocks on a day every week, which means you get a little bit of them. So at the minute, I think that we're running, there is a, there's always, I think there's a strength, there's a strength lower day and there's a strength upper day. And then I think there's a dynamic lower day and a dynamic upper day. And then we've got two sort of more, I think, aerobic base type days within there as well. So that's six different things plus the two rest days. So that's eight days. And it would just mean that the strength element really has got a bit more of a focus on, you know, um leg, like the, the heavy leg day sort of thing would be working up in your high max percentages and the dynamic day might be box squats at 50%, you know, 10 sets of two, down, up, down, up, fast as you can. So we cover a little bit of everything, but it just it's great that it works that way, that it means that people are are getting a variety of stuff depending on what day that they come. And also it would depend. The members are very understanding as well. Dan's always very thorough to explain to them why we do things and that you might find that although we're always trying to get as good as we can at everything, there will be months that we might not feel as strong. So the CrossFit Open, which would normally be around March, April time, we would always be looking to get our members as fit as possible. Because generally the open workouts are more about fitness. It's things like them 2159s, which is just go go go, short pieces. So we would always um, we'd always be looking to get people open fit for around that time. Which then after the open might mean that we are doing a little bit more of an off season. Now with our competitive members, we can be a little bit more sort of strict with that in that when we're on a strength phase we can sort of limit their cardio but we do need to just be a little bit more aware of the fact that our our members who aren't competitive are not wanting to go through a bulking phase so to speak so we would always be getting them a little bit stronger and a little bit fitter all at the same time but just with a bit more of a focus on on certain elements really because it can be done there's ways that it can be done more effectively, you know, by when you want to get stronger, not doing as much cardio. And when you want to get fitter, doing less strength work. But there's ways that you can do it as well, which is where you are just being able to take away a little bit more slowly, but take away everything.
0: Um, So kind of sticking with the more competitive theme, um, you mentioned your background as as an athlete in the more competitive sense. Just tell us a little bit about that. What kind of stuff would you do then that perhaps your everyday gym member wouldn't do?
1: Okay. So I guess how, I guess how my competitive time was compared to a a typical competitor are going to be quite different really because we'd just opened the gym. And I was working about 50 hours, 60 hours a week. So I've I've got a very good friend in Ireland, Emma McQuaid, who I occasionally would go and stay with her. So her athlete life now she's CrossFit Games level. Her athlete life in comparison to what my athlete life was, um, or yeah, is is quite different really. So I would say that I probably trained for maybe around two ish, two two to two and a half hours a day. And that would have been five times a week with maybe an active recovery day in it in it as well. I would say that she probably trains closer to four and a half hours a day with um with a kind of active recovery day on say a Thursday and then a sunday is is nothing so you would potentially start your day with some sort of aerobic piece, so it's really important to not let your heart rate um get too high in your aerobic piece. This is the difference between people who are competitive and who are not, in that people think that to get fitter you need to be puffing and panting. But it's really important for that sort of stuff, you wear your heart rate monitor and you keep your heart rate in the zone, which might be zone one or zone two. So say you're around one 135, 140, and you sat on the bike for maybe 45 minutes, something like that. So there'd, there'd normally be some sort of cardio focus in the morning. And, and that would be not not getting your heart rate so high that it's going to start to affect your your strength. It's more so um more so kind of recovery, but building an aerobic base as well. really good for recovery. And then um there would normally be some sort of strength and or gymnastics element and some sort of crossfitty type wad. I suppose the difference really as well with the, with the more competitive athletes is that they can spend a lot longer on doing the accessory type work. So people like to be able to do the muscle ups and they like to be able to do the heavy back squats. But actually the stuff that gets you better at that is doing your rotator cuff stuff with a band um, for your muscle ups. It's doing your single leg glute bridges and hip thrusts and that sort of stuff for, you know, to help with your squats. So there's a lot of time that is needed for that sort of stuff. And also recovery time as well between sets. If you've got the time to take longer before you can recover, you know, in some of our heavy back squat sessions, if we said to our members, we're going to rest for four minutes between each session, they'd just be stood around looking at the clock thinking we don't need this long rest, but you do. It's just difficult to kind of explain that really to someone who's come in, wants to get the work done and go. But with the competitive side of things, you do take the time to rest properly between each set so you're fresh and ready to go again. And um yeah, maybe maybe the cardio in the morning will be some sort of heavy strength, gymnasticky type um work through the day with a conditioning piece which might be, let's say, um one K row as fast as possible, something like that. And then in the evening, maybe it might be a bit more either either stuff to help with your gymnastics or stuff that's a bit more core focused. And that would be kind of five times a week, really. Normally on a Saturday, it might be quite high volume. So you would do some of the workouts, like one of the workouts, Murph, for example, in the weight vest, one mile run, 100 pull-ups, 200 press-ups, 300 squats, one mile run. Not that you'd be doing that every Saturday, but you'd be doing something that's a bit more high rep, a bit more volume, maybe in a team, environment just for a bit more of a buzz um and then yeah on a Sunday a Sunday would be nothing taking a complete rest day and then back to it again on a Monday so that's um yeah that that's generally how the how the athletes will will sort of be spending their days and and they'll be doing lots of things like swimming and just going to saunas and steam rooms and chilling out and yeah spending time just recovering
0: and competitions so, like the CrossFit Games, for example, they tend to release some of the the workouts in advance, and others the athletes won't find out until shortly before they they do it. Is that the same at like the the not CrossFit Games competitions, um, like the more the more local scale, or even international scale, or do you know? Everything?
1: Yeah, they normally do release some. I think that I think that just turning up on the day and being told what the workout is, that's very CrossFit and that's very CrossFit games actually with some of the finals and things. You know, sometimes you you're told there and then. Like we might so we we look at it and see that we're being told in advance, but actually the CrossFit games athletes have turned up a few days before and then they're told there and then sort of thing. So it just doesn't give them enough time to practice it. So that would be that would be the reason behind a lot of competitions kind of telling people quite late on. So if the competitions are Saturday, Sunday, they would maybe post the workouts on the Thursday night and nobody's probably going to do any of them on the Friday. Sometimes they post them a little bit sooner. I think maybe from a logistical point of view, when people are travelling to the competitions, it's handy to know that there's going to be a swim it's handy to know that, you know, they're going to need shoes for a trail run or something like that. If there's going to be an outdoor run, just, so I think it helps people to, as, as, as nice as it would be to just get people to turn up and this is what you're doing. You know, this is CrossFit, whether you like it or not, off you go. I think it's logistically, it does work out a bit better for people to be able to turn up and be a bit more prepared because the last thing that they want is people turning up and going, I've not really brought my swimming stuff and they don't want people pulling out of the competition. So it's definitely a fine line between not releasing them too far in advance. So people can have two goes at each workout with a different structure. So but every competition that sense is different. So pre COVID there was competitions that were going on all over all the time. You know, if I wanted to go away next weekend and do a competition, I'd probably be able to find one somewhere. So it's quite it's quite good that there is little comps going on. There's always the ones that are a little bit bigger, which so things like the French Throwdown. They say that the French Throwdown is kind of as is, is close to what used to be called regionals. Regionals was the stage before the CrossFit Games, so to get to CrossFit, to get to the CrossFit Games, you do the Open, and then the top certain amount in each region would then go to the live competition and do that regionals, and then the top five would go to the CrossFit Games. So the French Throwdown was sort of a similar standard to regionals, really. It's really well organised and you get your name boards and it's just, yeah, it's um, it's normally in a really good arena. So it was kind of, yeah, it would depend what the competition was and, um, yeah, who was running it, really. Some 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 competitions you have to do qualifiers for. So they will say... They'll, they'll allow maybe 30 teams 30 male teams or 30 female teams or 30 male athletes and 30 female athletes some of them now or a lot of them now do scaled categories as well that was something that back in the day probably when when I first started you know my my first competition that was it was quite a big one the London throwdown there wasn't a scaled category there it was you do the qualifiers you either qualify or you don't you know and if you don't then you're not good enough try again next year But I think I think in reality, when I was saying before about how maybe 90 percent of our members are not competitive in the sense that they don't want to go away to competitions. And even if they did, they would find it difficult to qualify for these top level competitions. I think that um, it's it's silly, really, considering how many people do CrossFit just to have um competitions that only a certain amount of people can go and do because there's a lot of people who aren't particularly athletically gifted but just love it love the buzz they'd be buzzing to go away to a competition that allows them to do a jumping pull-up because they can't do a normal pull-up um like and they just they want to be part of it but it's you can be so keen but if you're not good enough then you just what you just don't get the chance you know so it's it's nice that they have Some of them do what's called seedings as well. So a competition called the Rainhill Trials. Instead of qualifiers, you apply to go and do the competition. They will say, okay, yes, there's 200 places for females. And then what we want you 200 people to do now, because anyone else that asked to be part of it has missed out the deadline. So with you 200 people, you need to complete these workouts. And then based off of that, we're going to put you in categories. And they don't call it advanced and beginner and intermediate and what have you they've got four different categories that are just called four different things but effectively the scaling options would go from um you know less advanced to more advanced Mm -hmm. in terms of movements and how much weight would be lifted and things so that's really nice because it gives people a chance to go and do a competition and and just like yeah be able to do jumping pull-ups and single skips instead of double unders and just be part of just be part of the buzz and at the end of the day they're the people who they're making up the most of crossfit now you know the the top level athletes it's the amount of people that get to the crossfit games if you think about the amount of people compared to how many people in the world do crossfit it's yeah it's crazy
0: Aaron,
2: it just, sorry Eric, just before we wrap up i want to know if you were a conference say it was a crossfit conference you're yeah. presenting to box owners all over the world really Based on your methodologies and philosophies, what would one piece of advice be to other box owners?
1: Hmm. It would probably be... A, um, it would be something along the lines of <laughs> literally... Well, to box owners or to athletes?
2: Box owners.
1: box owners. Um, do what's best for... Like, do what's best for the athlete long-term, basically, yeah. Do do what's going to be best for them long-term and not what's just going to help them overnight. Yeah, just build them up slowly. And to the athlete, listen to the coach who tells you to start from the bottom and work up slowly.
2: That's what I was hoping to hear.
1: <laughs> yeah, just listen to each other. Just do it all right. Just build your foundations and just, yeah work up nice and steady Just do it the right way trust the process
0: cool um Erin thanks very much for coming on today
1: no problem thank you for having me
0: where can people go to find out more about you more about uh the gym gyms uh, um
1: um well our our gym website is CrossFitIOM.com, and our gym instagram is at crossfit and then I am at Erin Bonnet, E-R-I-N-B-O-M-E-T-T.
0: Not Erin Callister.
1: Not Erin Callister. That was eight years ago. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Luke, same question.
2: Yeah, uh, to find me on Instagram is zen underscore anatomy. The website is zenanatomy.co.uk. Um, yeah, on Facebook is Zen Anatomy Sports
0: Therapy. Cool. And I'm uh, at Poros PT across the board, porospt.com. Thank you very much for joining us today. And we will speak to you very, very soon. Goodbye.